the slaying of sorab from sorab and rustum by matthew arnold from the world's best poetry volume nine tragedy and humor part one read for LibriVox.org by craig franklin as the narrator thomas peter as sorab and jason in canada as rustum the slaying of sorab from sorab and rustum he spake and rustum answered not but hurled his spear down from the shoulder down it came as on some partridge in the corn a hawk that long has towered in the airy clouds drops like a plummet sorab saw it come and sprang aside quick as a flash the spear hissed and went quivering down into the sand which it sent flying wide then sorab threw in turn and full struck rustum's shield sharp rang the iron plates rang sharp but turned the spear and rustum seized his club which none but he could wield an unlapping trunk it was and huge still rough like those which men in treeless plains to build them boats fish from the flooded rivers hyphasis or hydaspes when high up by their dark springs the wind in winter time has made in himalayan forests rack and strewn the channels with torn boughs so huge the club which rustum lifted now and struck one stroke but again sorab sprang aside lithe as the glancing snake and the club came thundering to earth and leapt from rustum's hand and rustum followed his own blow and fell to his knees and with his fingers clutched the sand and now might sorab have unsheathed his sword and pierced the mighty rustum while he lay dizzy and on his knees and choked with sand but he looked up and smiled nor bared his sword but courteously drew back and spoke and said thou strikest too hard that club of thine will float upon the summer floods and not my bones but rise and be not wroth not wroth am i no when i see thee wrath forsakes my soul thou sayest thou art not rustum be it so who art thou then that canst so touch my soul boy as i am i have seen battles too have waded foremost in their bloody waves and heard their hollow roar of dying men but never was my heart thus touched before are they from heaven these softenings of the heart o thou old warrior let us yield to heaven come plant we here in earth our angry spears and make a truce and sit upon this sand and pledge each other in red wine like friends and thou shalt talk to me of rustum's deeds there are enough foes in the persian host whom i may meet and strike and feel no pang champions enough aphrasiah pass whom thou mayst fight fight them when they confront thy spear but oh let there be peace twixt thee and me he ceased but while he spake rustum had risen and stood erect trembling with rage his club he left to lie but had regained his spear whose fiery point now in his mailed right hand blazed bright and baleful 
like the autumn star the baleful sign of fevers dust had soiled his stately crest and dimmed his glittering arms his breast heaved his lips foamed and twice his voice was choked with rage at last these words broke way girl nimble with thy feet not with thy hands curled minion dancer coiner of sweet words fight let me hear thy hateful voice no more thou art not in Afrasaib's gardens now with tartar girls with whom thou art wont to dance but on the oxus sands and in the dance of battle and with me who make no play of war i fight it out and hand to hand speak not to me of truce and pledge and wine remember all thy valour try thy feints and cunning all the pity i had is gone because thou hast shamed me before both the hosts with thy light skipping tricks and thy girl's wiles he spoke and sorab kindled at his taunts and he too drew his sword at once they rushed together as two eagles on one prey come rushing down together from the clouds one from the east one from the west their shields dashed with a clang together and a din rose such as the sinewy woodcutters make often in the forest's heart at morn of hewing axes crashing trees such blows rustum and sorab on each other hailed and you would say that sun and stars took part in that unnatural conflict for a cloud grew suddenly in heaven and darkened the sun over the fighters heads and a wind rose under their feet and moaning swept the plain and in a sandy whirlwind wrapped the pair in gloom they twain were wrapped and they alone for both the onlooking hosts on either hand stood in broad daylight and the sky was pure and the sun sparkled on the oxa stream but in the gloom they fought with bloodshot eyes and labouring breath first rustum struck the shield which sorab held stiff out the steel-spiked spear rent the tough plates but failed to reach the skin and rustum plucked it back with angry groan then sorab with his sword smote rustum's helm nor clove its steel quite through but all the crest he shore away and that proud horsehair plume never till now defiled sunk to the dust and rustum bowed his head but then the gloom grew blacker thunder rumbled in the air and lightnings rent the cloud and rushed the horse who stood at hand uttered a dreadful cry no hoarse cry was that more like the roar of some pained desert lion who all day has trailed the hunter's javelin in his side and comes at night to die upon the sand the two hosts heard the cry and quaked for fear and oxus curdled as it crossed his stream but sorab heard and quailed not but rushed on and struck again and again rustum bowed his head but this time all the blade like glass sprang in a thousand shivers on the helm and in his hand the hilt remained alone then rustum raised his head his dreadful eyes glared and he shook on high his menacing spear and shouted rustum sorab heard that shout and shrank amazed back he recoiled one step and scanned with blinking eyes the advancing form 
and then he stood bewildered and he dropped his covering shield and the spear pierced his side he reeled and staggered back sunk to the ground and then the gloom dispersed and the wind fell and the bright sun broke forth and melted all the cloud and the two armies saw the pair saw rustum standing safe upon his feet and saurab wounded on the bloody sand then with a bitter smile rustum began saurab thou thoughtest in thy mind to kill a persian lord this day and strip his corpse and bear thy trophies to Afrasaib's tent or else that the great rustum would come down himself to fight and that thy wiles would move his heart to take a gift and let thee go and then all the tartar host would praise thy courage or thy craft and spread thy fame to glad thy father in his weak old age fool thou art slain and by an unknown man dearer to the red jackals shalt thou be than to thy friends and to thy father old and with a fearless mien sorab replied unknown thou art yet thy fierce vaunt is vain thou dost not slay me proud and boastful man no rustum slays me in this filial heart for were i matched with ten such men as thou and i were he who till to-day i was they should be lying here i standing there but that beloved name unnerved my arm that name and something i confess in thee which troubles all my heart and made my shield fall and thy spear transfixed an unarmed foe and now thou boastest and insultest my fate but hear thou this fierce man tremble to hear the mighty rustum shall avenge my death my father whom i seek through all the world he shall avenge my death and punish thee so rustum knew not his own loss but stood over his dying son and knew him not but with a cold incredulous voice he said what prate is this of fathers and revenge the mighty rustum never had a son and with a failing voice sorab replied ah yes he had and that lost son am i surely the news will one day reach his ear reach rustum where he sits and tarries long somewhere i know not where but far from here and pierce him like a stab and make him leap to arms and cry for vengeance upon thee fierce man bethink thee for an only son what will that grief what will that vengeance be oh could i live till i that grief had seen yet him i pity not so much but her my mother who in Azerbaijan dwells with that old king her father who grows gray with age and rules over the valiant kurds her most i pity who no more will see sorab returning from the tartar camp with spoils and honour when the war is done but a dark rumour will be bruited up from tribe to tribe until it reach her ear 
and then will that defenceless woman learn that Saurab will rejoice her sight no more but that in battle with a nameless foe by the far distant oxus he is slain and rustum gazed on him with grief and said o oh, Saurab, thou indeed art such a son whom rustum wert thou his might well have loved yet hear thou erest Saurab, or else men have told thee false thou art not rustum's son for rustum had no son one child he had but one a girl who with her mother now plies some light female task nor dreams of us of us she dreams not nor of wounds nor war but Sorab answered him in wrath for now the anguish of the deep fixed spear grew fierce and he desired to draw forth the steel and let the blood flow free and so to die but first he would convince his stubborn foe and rising sternly on one arm he said man who art thou who dost deny my words truth sits upon the lips of dying men and falsehood while i lived was far from mine i tell thee pricked upon this arm i bear that seal which rustum to my mother gave that she might prick it on the babe she bore he spoke and all the blood left rustum's cheeks and his knees tottered and he smote his hand against his breast his heavy mailed hand that the hard iron corselet clanked aloud and to his heart he pressed the other hand and in a hollow voice he spake and said so rab that were a proof which could not lie if thou show this then art thou rustum's son then with weak hasty fingers Sorab loosed his belt and near the shoulder bared his arm and showed a sign in faint vermilion points pricked as a cunning workman in pekin pricks with vermilion some clear porcelain vase an emperor's gift at early morn he paints and all day long and when night comes the lamp lights up his studious forehead and thin hands so delicately pricked the sign appeared on Sorab's arm the sign of rustum's seal it was that griffin which of old reared zal rustum's great father whom they left to die a helpless babe among the mountain rocks him that kind creature found and reared and loved then rustum took it for his glorious sign and sorab bared that figure on his arm and himself scanned it long with mournful eyes and then he touched it with his hand and said how sayest thou is that sign the proper sign of rustum's son or of some other man's he spoke but rustum gazed and gazed and stood speechless and then he uttered one sharp cry oh boy thy father and his voice choked there and then a dark cloud passed before his eyes and his head swam and he sank down to earth but sorab crawled to where he lay and cast his arms about his neck and kissed his lips and with fond faltering fingers stroked his cheeks trying to call him back to life and life came back to rustum and he opened his eyes and they stood wide with horror and he seized in both his hands the dust which lay around and threw it on his head 
and smirched his hair his hair and face and beard and glittering arms and strong convulsive groaning shook his breast and his sobs choked him and he clutched his sword to draw it and for ever let life out but sorab saw his thought and held his hands and with a soothing voice he spoke and said father forbear for i but meet to-day the doom that on my birth was written down in heaven and thou art heaven's unconscious hand surely my heart cried out that it was thou when first i saw thee and thy heart spoke too i know it but fate trod those promptings down under its iron heel fate fate engaged the strife and hurled me on my father's spear but let us speak no more of this i find my father let me feel that i have found come sit beside me on this sand and take my head betwixt thy hands and kiss my cheeks and wash them with thy tears and say my son quick quick for numbered are my sands of life and swift for like the lightning to this field i came and like the wind i go away sudden and swift and like a passing wind but it was written heaven that this should be so said he and his voice released the heart of rustum and his tears broke forth he cast his arms round his son's neck and wept aloud and kissed him and awe fell on both the hosts when they saw rustum's grief and rucksh the horse with his head bowing to the ground and mane sweeping the dust came near and in mute woe first to the one then to the other moved his head as if inquiring what their grief might mean and from his dark compassionate eyes the big warm tears rolled down and caked the sand but rustum chid him with stern voice and said rucksh now thou grievest but o oh, rucksh thy feet should then have rotted on thy nimble joints when first they bore thy master to this field but sorab looked upon the horse and said is this then rucksh how often in past days my mother told me of thee thou brave steed my terrible father's terrible horse and said that i should one day find thy lord in thee come let me lay my hand upon thy mane o rucksh thou art more fortunate than i for thou hast gone where i shall never go and snuffed the breezes of my father's home and thou hast trod the sands of seistan and seen the river of helmund and the lake of zerah the aged zal himself has often stroked thy neck and given thee food corn and a golden platter soaked with wine and said o rooksh bear rustum well but i have never known my grandsire's furrowed face nor seen his lofty house in seistan nor slaked my thirst at the clear Helmund stream but lodged among my father's foes and seen afrasiab's cities only samarkand bokhara and lone in the waste and the black Torkman tents, and only drunk the desert rivers, Morgab and Tejan, 
Kowik, where the Kalmuks feed their sheep, the northern Sur and this great Oxus stream, the yellow Oxus by whose brink I die. And with a heavy groan, Rustum replied, Oh, that its waves were flowing over me! Oh, that I saw its grains of yellow silt roll tumbling in the current o'er my head! And with a grave, mild voice, Sorab replied, Desire not that, my father. Thou must live, for some are born to do great deeds and live, as some are born to be obscured and die. Do thou the deeds I die too young to do, and reap a second glory in thine age. Thou art my father, and thy gain is mine. But come, thou seest this great host of men which follow me. Pray thee, slay not these. Let me entreat for them. What have they done? They followed me, my hope, my fame, my star. Let them all cross the oxes back in peace. But me thou must bear hence, not sent with them, but carry me with thee to Seistan, and place me on a bed, and mourn for me. Thou, and the snow-haired Zal, and all thy friends, and thou must lay me in that lovely earth, and heap a stately mound above my bones, and plant a far-seen pillar over all, that so the passing horseman on the waste may see my tomb a great way off, and say, Sorab, the mighty Rostam's son lies there, whom his great father did in ignorance kill, and I be not forgotten in my grave. And, with a mournful voice, Rustam replied, Fear not, as thou hast said, Sorab, my son, so shall it be. For I will burn my tents, and quit the host, and bear thee hence with me, and carry thee away to Seistan, and place thee on a bed, and mourn for thee, with the snow-headed Zal and all my friends. And I will lay thee in that lovely earth, and heap a stately mound above thy bones, a plant a far-seen pillar over all, and men shall not forget thee in thy grave. And I will spare thy host, yea, let them go, let them all cross the Oxus back in peace. What should I do with slaying any more? For would that all whom I have ever slain might once more be alive, my bitterest foes, and they who were called champions in their time, and through whose death I won that fame I have, and I were nothing but a common man, a poor, mean soldier, and without renown. So thou mightest live too, my son, my son! Or rather, would that I, even I myself, might now be lying on this bloody sand near death, and by an ignorant stroke of thine, not thou of mine, and I might die, not thou, and I, not thou, be born to Seistan, and Zal might weep above my grave, not thine, and say, O son, I weep thee not too sore, for willingly I know thou met'st thine end. But now in blood and battles was my youth, and full of blood and battles is my age, and I shall never end this life of blood. Then at the point of death, Sorab replied, 
a life of blood indeed thou dreadful man but thou shalt yet have peace only not now not yet but thou shalt have it on that day and thou shalt sail in a high-masted ship thou and the other peers of kaikosru returning home over the salt blue sea from laying thy dear master in his grave and rustum gazed on sorab's face and said soon be that day my son and deep that sea till then if fate so wills let me endure he spoke and sorab smiled on him and took the spear and drew it from his side and eased his wounds imperious anguish but the blood came welling from the open gash and life flowed with the stream all down his cold white side the crimson torrent ran dim now and soiled like the soiled tissue of white violets left freshly gathered on their native bank by romping children whom their nurses call from the hot fields at noon his head drooped low his limbs grew slack motionless white he lay white with eyes closed only when heavy gasps deep heavy gasps quivering through all his frame convulsed him back to life he opened them and fixed them feebly on his father's face till now all strength was ebbed and from his limbs unwillingly the spirit fled away regretting the warm mansion which it left and youth and bloom and this delightful world so on the bloody sand sorab lay dead and the great rustum drew his horseman's cloak down o'er his face and sate by his dead son as those black granite pillars once high reared by jemshid in peresopolis to bear his house now mid their broken flight of steps lie prone enormous down the mountain side so in the sand lay rustum by his son and night came down over the solemn waste and the two gazing hosts and that sole pair and darkened all and a cold fog with night crept from the oxus end of poem this recording is in the public domain